This episode has been brought to you by Always Discreet. Head to alwaysdiscreet.com.au to learn more about bladder leak tips, management, and incredible bladder leak protection. Welcome to the Pelvic Health Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Forner, a physiotherapist working in pelvic health, as well as a new student researcher on the fun, long road to a PhD, where we will be looking at pelvic floor problems and exercise. I'm here to bring you information from leading professionals on all aspects surrounding pelvic health for any gender and any age, from the vast range of pelvic floor problems to exercise and sport. Remember our disclaimer, materials and content in this podcast are intended as general information only and should not be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Welcome back, everyone. It's Lori here. I hope everybody is staying safe and for all of those around the world, but obviously close to home in Australia here, Victoria, oh my goodness, I cannot imagine how you are doing today. We had the news that they had to go into stage four lockdown for COVID. So I hope I can provide some form of escapism for you guys, as well as everyone else, where we don't really address the topic of what's happening in the world. In this episode, we're going to continue the conversation about diastasis rectus abdominis, less from the research side and more from the practical and clinical side. And recently I stumbled across an amazing Instagram account by a physical therapist in the United States who has such brilliant information and exercises on diastasis. So I asked LaShonda Jones to come onto the podcast to share some information with me. So a little bit about her bio. LaShonda Jones is a licensed physical therapist. She got her master's in physical therapy. She also has her bachelor's in exercise sports science. She's a certified personal trainer, so an NSCA certified personal trainer, and a pre- and postnatal corrective exercise specialist. She's had 14 years of exercise in outpatient orthopedics with a more recent transition into women's health once she became a mom of two. She loves educating and empowering women on postpartum rehab, fitness, and diastasis recti healing journeys. After working hard to heal her own diastasis and seeing the lack of education moms were given about their postpartum healing, she developed an online program that allows women to work one-on-one with her online to receive the individualized education and exercises they need to heal. So today, not only do we talk about the early postpartum exercises for diastasis, but how to transition into the more high impact, strenuous exercises with regards to having an abdominal separation, which sort of continues on the discussion from the last episode on diastasis, where we talked about the research and that need to load the tissues more so than we have been doing before. And that's why I really loved LaShonda's exercises because, again, she takes it that one step further. And I think her backgrounds really helped her do that. And obviously, having experienced it herself, I think she the support that she gives to women and the goal of not being focused around how wide the gap is or even about the linea alba but how much it affects them on a personal and daily life aspect she touches on really well so I hope you enjoy today's episode. 
I've been a physical therapist for 14 years now. My background is in outpatient orthopedics. Yep. So I've been doing that for 14 years. And then I became a personal trainer um, 11 years ago. And that's the same time that I started my business, Core Elevation Fitness and Wellness, um, alongside my husband, who's a registered dietitian. So ah, good, um, good it's, combo. It's really, yeah, <laughs> it's really our love for um, health, fitness in general. And then combining the two has just been two beautiful worlds colliding because on one end, I feel, you know, physical therapy, I got people not so much on the wellness side, they've already, you know, maybe had the health problems and, you know, which caused them to have to have total knees and strokes and things like that. And, you know, I wanted to be on the wellness side of things. And so I became a personal trainer to be able to hopefully combat some of that, especially having a family history of diabetes and high cholesterol and things like that. So yeah, that's kind of where my, my love of the two I've combined and created my business from that. So in Australia, we call PT personal training, but in the U.S., PT is physio. So at least there's actually going to be no confusion because you're both in. in Correct. Exactly. (laughs) My name. Yeah. If you follow me on Instagram, the PT trainer Shonda kind of came like the P and the T being combined. Right. So they say physiotherapist, which I never even knew that was a a term until later. I was like, oh, you know, other people say physiotherapist. Okay. We say physical therapist here. Seriously, why can't it just all be the same thing? Makes no sense. (laughs) So where along the line then did you get into diastasis rehab? Yeah, well, I would say, you know, my interest in women's health in general really came from me becoming a mom, you know, getting pregnant, uh, having children, watching my body go through so many different changes. And then, you know, getting to the six week checkup and, you know, even then not being told whether I had diastasis or not, but getting to the six week checkup and realizing, oh, you're kind of left to figure this all out on your own, you know? And so I think just seeing my body go through all the changes, most so with my daughter two and a half years ago. So I had my son, he's six. Mm. Um, My body was a little bit younger. Um, I I guess, quote unquote, I don't like the term, but snap back, right? I (laughs) I had my son, you know, six years ago, my body was in a different space. And then two and a half years later, I had my daughter. And that's where um, I felt like my diastasis was most pronounced. And I could feel like the weakness in my core and, you know, just being a trainer and being used to doing HIIT workouts and burpees and all kinds of crazy things like that. And I was like, I can't do any of those things. Um, And so me getting into women's health really just kind of stemmed from that Mm. um, and realizing how important it was. And so I have, I've been privileged, you know, in the outpatient orthopedic world to work with, uh, uh, pelvic floor physical therapists and, you know, being able to refer, you know, all, all those patients to them. But when I couldn't refer myself, I was like, oh, I need to rehabilitate myself. <laughs> that's when I really started doing research for myself. And that's really where the birth of my program even came from being vulnerable and sharing my own journey and my own experiences and things like that with having diastasis and being able to fit three and four fingers between my abs and what is this about and you know why can't I just jump back into exercise like it's pretty much almost seem like you can once you get that six-week checkup um, and just educating moms and when I did that other moms were like I have this condition you know the doctor said this or my belly looks like your belly yeah. do I have and that's probably where most of my my DMs and things come from now. It's just for moms seeing other moms either look like them or they look like myself and saying, hey, do I have that? 
diastasis, you know, and of course you can't tell from just a picture alone, you have to test and things like that. But um, that's pretty much where that, that stemmed from. So you got into it because you were dealing with it yourself. Um, yeah. And like I, we recently did a podcast on diatesis and the lack of research in that area. So mm-hmm. at that time, when you're trying to work things out for yourself, even though you're a physical therapist, how did you decide, okay, this is what we need to do when we don't really have any information out there and we still don't. Mm-hmm. So how have you I put think- that together? That was, that was the thing for me is the lack of information out there. I wanted to figure this thing out. You know, <laughs> I was like, you know, even though I saw the, the no, no list of exercises and things like that, I, I realized, you know, well, I have a pretty strong body. I'm a trainer and things like that. I feel like, you know, just knowing the physi the physiology and the anatomy of the body, what the body can and can't do, even though these abs are separated, you're still mm. strong. Your body is strong strong you know yeah. um so I wanted to kind of test that out for myself I guess be a case study within myself and and see what my body could do and just slowly starting with the foundation things you know the posture breathing you know all the important things but then what what do we do once we get past the heel slides and the bridges and the easier things what do we do next and so the, I really just kind of tested it out on myself and, and begin to uh, do more research and get uh, additional certifications and you know becoming pre and postnatal uh, certified and doing additional uh, continued education just to learn more you know mm. so that's what I think really uh, pushed me into learning more it's just seeing that empty space of you know women needing this education and being stuck in fear and not realizing, you know, your body can do so much more than these, you know, no, no lists and things of what you can't do. And just kind of, I guess, pushing the envelope in that area. Which is funny because then like, I don't, maybe there's a lot of people out there who didn't do the no list, but I used mm-hmm. to do the no list for so long, but then, mm-hmm. cause I had a, well, I still have six centimeter separation and the mm-hmm. no list stopped me for years from ever going further and it wasn't until my own journey that you're like oh okay I need to maybe revisit this maybe I'm going to try this stuff and see how it goes Mm -hmm. and test it out so sorry you're you've got a program to help women was it face-to-face at first and now it's all online or has it always just been online that's the funny thing is that it's always been online so the history behind my actual program was just me sharing my journey I never had any attention of creating a program (laughs) like I said I was just uh outpatient ortho you know that was my my thing and then I had my own personal journey that I was just sharing with people and with that were people like well can you help me and that made me say okay you know I can start researching I can start telling you what I'm doing within my own self. And then from that became my program. So I never really had an intention on having a program. That's the funny thing about it. (laughs) So I started out just like one or two moms, just helping them and, you know, with the basics of things like that, but then realizing, okay, well, you know, they're seeing progress here, but not here. Let's try this. Okay. What is your body doing? And I think as physical therapists, that's what we do with each patient, right? We should be assessing them individually giving them what their body needs. And that's exactly how I work with moms, even online, is that I'm looking at them from head to toe and seeing what their individual body needs. And so everything that I do is online. The way that I basically run it is that I make sure that, and I feel like every physical therapist and every person that does work with diastasis, I'm looking at it from head to toe. You know, So there's so much going on outside of just the gap. 
Um, there's things going on above the body. I mean, above the body, but above the midsection, below the midsection um, that I'm looking at posture, breathing, um, muscle weakness, fascia tightness, um, rib cage mobility, like all sorts of things that I'm looking at with people. So everything that I do is online and I make sure it's very thorough because I can't touch you, I can't feel you. And when I feel like I get outside of that ability to help you without being able to touch you, then of course I refer out. Yeah, that would be so hard. And I'm, I was looking at it going, so you're not, you've not developed an online course that people can access at any time. Like you are, mm -hmm. it's an online course, but you're still working with people individually. Is brilliant, but I I cannot imagine trying to assess people without touching them. But <laughs> how many people have no access to um, physical therapy? Yeah. Exactly. And so that's what I I get. I think a lot of women that reach out to me, um, there's some who say, you know, I have to drive over an hour mm. to um, see a physical therapist, or especially now with COVID, you know, a lot of people are scared to go into clinics and things like that. So even though my program has been going on for about three years now, um, even before COVID, you know, there are women who didn't have access. And so I do uh, see women all over the world, basically in areas where, you know, physical therapists is not as, especially I think pelvic floor and women's health, there's not as many physical therapists in these uh, different places. And so, yeah, they see me that way. So how do you break it down with them? So you said you online will look at different elements. So mm -hmm. you said you look at breathing, you're looking mm -hmm. at posture. Is mm -hmm. there specific movements that you get them to do? And are you getting them to test themselves yep. in order to, what are you getting them to do yep. for you? So basically what I'm doing is I'm looking at um, posture. I'm looking at um, alignment. So, you know, rib cage over pelvis, like how are they standing? You know, I said they send me pictures where I'm actually looking at them in pictures, just kind of getting an idea of their posture, um, again, just from head to toe. Um, then I'm also looking at their breathing patterns. Are they shallow breathers? Are they, you know, do they do diaphragmatic breathing and things like that? So I'm looking at their breathing patterns. I'm looking for weaknesses. And so, you know, we know manual muscle tests, right? That's what we're used to. We're used to pushing people down, but there's so many functional ways to test people's strength, which I feel is much better than just a manual muscle test, right? So I'm doing functional strength tests with them just to see functionally how strong they are. I think it's just from the years of being able to do this. Mm. <laughs> and you get creative of how to do this online without actually touching a person. And people are amazed, like, how do you see that? Like, how do you see this rib flare? How do you see yeah. that let one leg is longer than the other? How do you see that I have scoliosis? I see all these things um, online. And so um, I'm also looking at their ability to generate uh, tension in their linear alba. So I do assess their diastasis in supine lying down, uh, but I also assess them um, in standing, in side plank, in different um, functional movements that they're doing and having them assess, do they feel tension in their mm. linear alba, right? And so I do that as well. So also when I test diastasis, I test it in rest. Yeah. And I also test it with their head lifted. And then I also test it with their pelvic floor engaged yeah. by doing deep core breathing. Yeah. So I do test it in all three of those ways. So how though, how do you, so are you getting them to give you feedback? Like I can, I can see how people who don't have a background could understand measuring the distance, but mm -hmm. how do you get them to tell you the differences they feel in linear alba tension when you can't feel them? 
teaching them what they should feel. So this, the way I think I've always been as a physical therapist is that I really want my patients to be as much control of their health Mm. and their rehab as possible. And I think because I've always um, been that way versus them relying on me, like when I send them home with exercises, I want them to know what to feel. Is their glutes activated versus their hamstrings or is it it this? And so use your hands, place it on yourself. This is what you should feel because once you leave me or even once they leave the clinic, they need to know that they're doing their exercises correctly. Right. So I don't think, and and I I would love for people to tell me wrong in this area, but I don't think enough therapists tell their, their patients to put their hand, their fingers on their linear Mm -hmm. alba. Do you feel tension happening here? Because don't, this is probably not the exercise for you. And so we're giving just, you know, the basics, the heel slides and things like that, but then patients aren't feeling tension. So what does that feel like? Do you feel something pushing up into your fingers? Do you feel that? That's yeah. tension, right? Versus the just sinking down. Is it spongy? Is it, you know, do you not feel anything happening under there? And so if they can feel that tension, that's a good sign. Now, let's see what can make that tension happen a little bit more. Do you feel it more in a side plank? Do you feel it more when you sit up? Are you coning? Are you bulging? So we're doing all that. And teaching that's cool. Them. Yeah, because you're teaching them to feel it themselves. Do you find it tricky trying to get them to set up the camera properly? No. <laughs> well, sometimes. <laughs> like, I can't they, even they imagine. Yeah, so they're like looking like, which way do you want me to turn or what? Yeah, so that gets a little bit confusing, but they get it. Yeah, yes. they get it. I have to oh. have super patience. So once you... And this, again, has been the discussion of unknown and everyone comes at it at a different point. So once you've gone over the basics and you've started with probably a lot of the exercises that many people know, the easier stuff, the heel slides, learning how to connect, learning how to breathe, how do you take it from there? Because you've got a good background, not only in physical therapy, but also the PT, personal training side, which... You know the diff, like the two. There's always that gap in the middle, which I think diastasis falls into as well. So, how have you, yeah, how have you worked out how to bridge those two together and get people doing the more intense stuff? Yeah, I think it's just education there um, behind them, just seeing what their body can do and just removing the fear. I think in the beginning is very important as well. So I'm always coming from a place of empowerment of what you can do. So once you learn the basis of how to control intra-abdominal pressure um, and how to do movement without causing excess, and I don't I like to say, you know, coning is okay. That's just yeah. your body showing be- feedback to what's going on inside your body. Mm-hmm. It's just the excess coning we want to avoid. We don't, we don't want that to continually happen over and over and over, right? Yeah. So once you can learn to control the intra-abdominal pressure, um, and do that and breathe correctly and not cause, you know, pooching or pressure down into the pelvic floor or things like that, um, then let's just progress on top of that. Let's build, let's build, because that's the same thing as a concept of trying to strengthen your bicep, right? If we stay at the same five pound weight for, you know, four, six, eight weeks, you know, then the, the muscle's going to pretty much stay the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to progress. It's not going to get stronger. So I teach them that same concept is that once we um, teach our bodies how to breathe properly, how to load properly, then we have to progress. We have to strengthen. We have to um, challenge the body even more. And so I'm taking them through a series of, of exercises that build on top of each other. And I think that's where maybe the training background comes in a mm. little bit more. It's just knowing, you know, and, and maybe, be, I don't know, because I'm both, it's kind of hard for me. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's all a mesh now, but I think about bridges. So, and just staying in bridges, you know, get creative, you know, add bands, add balls, add, you know, tempo, you know, increase endurance. Also, you know, do it isometrically, do it uh, statically, do it um, eccentrically, like working the muscles in different ways. And so you just got to get creative and also always keep in mind what is the end goal, right? And so one woman that I'm working with may want to get to pull-ups, wants to get to, um, run into marathons. So my goals and the exercises that they're building on is always based upon their goals, right? And so I'm not just throwing random exercises at them. All the exercises that they're doing has a purpose in reaching their end goal, which is why I think it's so important to ask your clients and your patients, you know, what are your goals? What are we working towards? Because that's really what the, the diastasis healing process is all about is the end goal, right? Yeah. It's not always about the number of fingers you can put into your your gap in between at the end of eight weeks, six weeks, 12 weeks is really what goals did we get back to? And that's a part of also what I'm educating moms about. It's not, we're not so much worried about the gap. We're more so worried about getting you back to the activities and things that you want to do without, you know, leaking on yourself or yeah. without having pelvic floor tightness or without worrying about wearing a brace while you're doing, um, things out in the garden, right? So I have a client now, that's one of our goals now, is she wants to get back to doing her gardening without wearing a brace around her waist or corset around her waist. And so that's what we're doing is exactly those things to get her back towards those goals. That is brilliant. And I love that so much because everyone focuses, and I don't know if it's just a social media thing and that's where patients are getting it, but their focus tends to be on changing the size of the gap rather than can they get back to doing all of the activities that they love. Um, I want to go back a minute. You said within your assessment, you teach them ways to do like functional tasks to assess their ability do you have an example? Like what other than lying down and doing some leg lifts, what kind of functional task might you get them to do, say, in standing to see how well they transfer load or do something? So let's say that um, I'm having them simulate the the gardening or things like that. So I like the mom who's wearing the corset. Yeah. Um, like that that was her fear is that she was just you know kind of hanging out or things like that. So let's simulate what you're doing. You know, mm. is it the actual putting the hoe in the ground and the lifting, you know, or what type of heavy thing do you feel like that's making you feel like you need the course? And so I'm having her do that. I'm looking for the coning. Are you coning when you're doing it? So of course, you know, putting it, putting actual hard. shovel in the ground yeah. and doing it is totally different. But, you know, I'm basically trying to simulate that force that she's doing and saying, okay, are you coning? Do you feel like you're just hanging out? And a lot of times, sometimes stuff like that is mental, you know, mm. to where you feel like you have to have, that corset or brace, but then I like to educate them that you have your own personal corset or brace within your body and teaching them how to use their own personal corset, right? And so that kind of, in her case, kind of removed the fear and, and she was totally fine. But then also like just lifting the baby up off the ground. If the baby's there, I invite moms to just have their babies around, you know, let's mm -hmm. lift the baby and see, you know, are you coning or are you bulging there? So that's one of the questions in the intake form is what type of activities make you cone or bulge? And so I have them simulate those activities. Do I see it? Do you see it? Okay, can we control that and see if you don't do it? Or can we just change how you're doing it? So if it's sitting up in the bed, then let's just do a log roll instead of sitting straight up in the bed, right? Mm. Or sit up. But when you sit up, can you control the intra-abdominal pressure? So that type yeah. of thing. Yeah. And, and you so said you're sorry, using breathing and different ways of 
turning muscles on or different ways to control pressure. Um, do, you, do you do anything specific with breathing? Do you tend to get them to breathe out on the exhale, which I think is probably one of the most common cues that people give? Yeah, pretty yeah. much, yeah. Okay. And then looking for, you know, correct sequence in breathing, right? Yeah. And so, you know, if someone has like a tight pelvic floor, then I tend to tell them, you know, don't contract the pelvic floor, which, you know, it, it does work together, but don't yeah. concentrate on that part, right? Yeah. So I think kind of like, it's going to happen, but we're not going yeah. to actively work at contracting and lifting the pelvic floor. But otherwise, you know, starting at the pelvic floor, working from the lower, middle, upper TA, um, and breathing sequencing more than anything. And what I find is that a lot of women don't know how to breathe, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and that they breathe opposite, or they don't even know how to to breathe into their nose. A lot of people do mouth breathing or shallow breathing. So just that in itself sometimes takes a few weeks for some women um, is the yeah. breathing part, which is, it can be frustrating, but once they get it, it makes a very big difference in their rehab. Yeah. Um, can you, cause you were just also talking about taking people from kind of the basics and working towards their goal. So if you've got a runner who needs to be upright, who needs rotation, um, I find it gets, you know, what you see a lot will be kind of supine leg stuff, maybe hands and knees, and maybe some side, but at some point, I assume you're adding rotation into it, or do you have like a, can you give us like an example of how you might come from ground to standing, like what kind of exercises you find for some people, even though it's individual, knowing mm -hmm. that, oh, here's an, here's an idea, even though you've got a great Instagram account too for that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's see, I would say adding like rotational like lunges, um, doing like that lift a lot of hip hinging, learning how to uh, hinge from the hip because we do a lot, a lot of lifting and things like that. Um, and then adding resistance even with that. So adding ro um, anti-rotation. So like the pallet press, um, I do that in my program as well. So a lot of um, anti-rotation and then also adding rotation in as well. So whether it be um, lunging and rotation. So that I put more so into my core rehab part of my program. And so I basically um, separated my program. So it's basically diastasis recti and core rehabilitation program. So it's okay. a continuation. So if anyone yeah. ever sees my program and they see that it's eight weeks, I work with women well beyond eight weeks, right? Because I never leave with this expectation is that you're going to have this healed diastasis and all your goals are met within eight weeks. I kind of break it up just because I'm, I don't know if anybody's done an online program, but you kind of do programs and things like that. And then you just kind of lose interest yeah, <laughs> or you yeah. lose their attention. So I've kind of broken it up into different phases um, yeah. just so they feel like it's a progressive thing that they're working towards versus kind of like a, a one time, like a one end all goal, that type of thing. So anyway, so going back to it, so within the core rehab part of my uh, uh, rehab that I'm doing with them, then we're getting into more functional things. And okay. so we're adding on bands and we're doing things in standing is we're really just simulating whatever we need to, to just build on top of to getting towards the goal. So um, if it's somebody that needs to go back into box jumps or something like that, I'm not just having them jump straight into that. We're doing um, functional things to address any core weakness that they have, any hip weakness that they're having. Um, so just like a lot of things that we would probably do in the clinic on an ortho side. So whether it be like total knee um, no, not totally, excuse me, but TKE strengthening, you know, but you can still do that with bands and things like that. Or if you want to do some um, standing hip rotation, strengthening things like that. So you just get, kind of get creative with it. And it's all based off of the goals that they have. 
Yeah, which is also probably helpful because, you, like you said at the very beginning, it's not just about the midsection that you then mm -hmm. have to go more broad, um, which would help given again given your background. And I, I wonder if that's where a lot of people get stuck. Is um, you know here we have a lot of physios that can go straight into women's health and they don't actually do any musculoskeletal or or, or what we well I guess. Your ortho physical therapy is what we call musculoskeletal here. I think that's the same. Uh -huh. So then there's this big gap of only concentrating oh, yeah. on that area, which then mm -hmm. I find is where that big struggle is going. Well, then how do you progress from there? And if you don't have a background in personal training or fitness and you maybe don't do more exercises than Pilates, I think it, it gets yeah. really hard for people. Sure. Yeah, and you know, I, I I mean, I think that's the beauty of, um, hopefully the beauty of social media is just learning from other people, you know, and even continuing education. I love that education seems to be going around, you know, more of a holistic view of diastasis and learning that it's not just, again, about the gap and that you, it's, it's good to have that knowledge. So even if you maybe didn't learn that even in schooling or things like that, I think there's so many, so much great education out there that can help you learn. Everyone should know this by now. As a physiotherapist, I do not believe in telling women with urinary incontinence just to wear a pad or a liner and keep pushing through. I also don't believe that they have to stop doing the exercise and activities that they love forever in order to manage it. I know how important pelvic floor exercises are. I know how important modifications to risk factors are. And I know how important education is in helping to treat urinary incontinence. But I also know how extremely important promoting physical activity is. We have the highest quality evidence demonstrating that physiotherapists can greatly improve or often cure incontinence. But I also know that this management takes time and for some women, while it might improve their leaking by 80%, sometimes they will still have leaking or there will be a subset of women that we can't help enough. This is why I feel incontinence pads and liners still have a place and I'm honored to be asked to partner up with Always Discreet to help break the stigma around incontinence, empower and support women to start conversations about bladder leakage, provide the best information on management and also provide options to decrease embarrassing accidents that they may continue to have. So follow the hashtag WeAlwaysGotYou which is we, W-E-E, -E. join in on the conversation and as professionals continue to educate women about how we can help. I really like to spread the message to women um, that I truly believe that even if you have surgery, that it would be great to still see a yeah. physical therapist or physiotherapist, right? Um, whether it be for pelvic floor, whether it be just for general deep core strengthening, because you know, one of the things that surgery does not do is it can't strengthen weakened muscles, right? Um, it can't um, work on posture and alignment. So if you have um, issues with like being a shallow breather and you can really work on improving your diaphragmatic breathing, like those things really matter, right? And so a lot of women um, that have surgery, I've even talked to some women because again, the social media world is great in that way in which I have talked, they've not worked with me, but they've reached out to me and they told mm. me that they had surgery you know, surgery or not, I think there's yeah. much benefit to still, you know, doing that kind of core rehabilitation. I find 
there's a subset of women that, and I'm curious on your thoughts, that might get to a functional stage with their diastasis when they're palpating and doing exercise, but mm-hmm. the skin integrity is still very poor. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, how do you how do you kind of go about the discussions with women? Do you find that it's more affecting them emotionally? Do they focus on it? Are you able to get them past it? Do you see women like that? Yeah, and so honestly, I've not gotten to that point with the women in my program. Um, none have asked me that um, personally, but I think it is one of those things that is personal, you know. Yeah. And I try to in my program, I try to address the the self love aspect of the journey, right? Because it's not just again, I go so far outside <laughs> outside of just the the gap. I mean, there's so much more. You're also a person, right? Yeah. Um, you're a mom and you're a woman. So I try to you know push the um, the self-development of just loving yourself, even though you're working to improve yourself. And so in that, I'm not sure if, you know, that, that touches them in a way that this, that's, that's enough and they're, they're happy with the body and they, they move on and they realize that, you know, my body is not the same as it was pre-baby and things like that. But I also, you know, I take nothing away from, and I, I think, you know, it's a personal decision for any woman that, that wants to do a, um, a tummy tuck or anything like that. Like if that's what's going to, you know, make them feel better and feel like they have reached their goals. I think there's nothing wrong with that. That's a personal decision. And I say, go for it. You know, I love that you said you would address that with your patients, because again, when it's for, for a lot of women, I'd say more often than not, when there is kind of stretch marks or um, loose skin, even though their diastasis is actually okay. um, Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. part of being okay with their body or just someone kind of talking them through that or even telling them that they're okay or learning to love that, I think gets left out all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's so lovely to hear. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important. I think, again, a lot of women reach out to me and I, and that's one of the ask, reasons I asked, like, you know, what made them reach out to me is the fact that they know that I've been through it. You know, I'm like, I have loose skin. I mean, even as a trainer and a person who was super fit with six pack abs and ran track and things like that, like I, I look at my body and it's, it's different. It's different than what it used to be, you know? Um, and so I think that part of them resonates with them and we, you know, we get personal and we, we share all types of things. And that's definitely a part of it is just what the emotional aspect of having diastasis does to you as well, because there is a big emotional aspect to it. Not just diastasis itself, but just your postpartum body changing in general. Yeah. It's definitely. Yeah. A yeah. mental emotional aspect to healing. And so I, I even tell them, you know, um, until you get to that place of, accepting your body and and loving your body that affects your rehab as well because you can look at your body in the mirror and you're just like I don't want to work out today because I look the same as I did you know last week or something like that and so that too hinders your progress and so we as well yep what do you think is some of the biggest messages that you want to give women who have abdominal separation or diastasis Mm -hmm. um I think it's just really important to come from a place of both education and empowerment, right? So it's important to go in with just realistic expectations. Um, and so, cause sometimes I feel like social media and things like that can really <laughs> throw off people expectations of what, um, what can happen even in your healing journey. So I think just coming in from a place of empowerment, but also realistic, right? Going yeah. in with real 
people. So like things like fascia and skin and things like that, those things cannot necessarily change, right? Just from exercising and, and doing things like that. So I do like to say that. Um, and just to also not to be overly concerned with the gap, that's something that I alluded to earlier. And just, yeah. you know, kind of more so focusing on, focusing on function and your goals and what are you trying to achieve versus being, you know, I can still fit a one finger in between my gap, which I'm like, that's normal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your, your abs are not sewn together and glued shut, right? Your body needs to be able to function every joint, every part of your body moves. So that includes your abs. So I do tell them, you know, kind of take the focus off of the gap and things like that. Um, and like I said, and just loving yourself. I think that's a very important part of the messaging behind that is just self-love and, you know, it's okay to work on improving yourself and also loving yourself. I think the two can go hand in hand. It's, is totally okay. And also to seek a women's health and a pelvic floor physical therapist. I think there is just so much value in someone either putting their hands on you mm-hmm. or seeing you and being able to assess you from head to toe. Because I think I know for a fact, there's just thousands of women out there and in support groups and places like that. And just, and just stuck in places of confusion. They're, they're scared to do any exercises. They're scared to do anything so therefore they're feeling like this is my life this is where I have to be you know you don't have to have incontinence you don't have to um, continue to have back pain and 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 live with diastasis and but you can also see a physical therapist right you can see that and, and is resolved to um, and as I like to say in my tagline I don't have a tagline but it's almost becoming my tagline there is hope in healing I like to say that a lot that there is hope there right so that's the type of message that I like to to put out for women so can people still come see you at all? I don't know what's happening with the world. Are you seeing oh, people? <laughs> oh, am I seeing? <laughs> I'm sorry. Am I still seeing uh, clients now? Patients, yeah. yeah. As in like, well, are oh, you? Oh, in, some, in the clinic. Yeah. Oh, in clinic. Well, right now I'm actually home. I'm completely home. Oh, um, nice. my, yeah. yeah. So my business has been a blessing because uh, that's what I'm doing now. I'm not actually yeah. in the clinic. But um, since we moved, my hope was to go back into the clinic and things yeah. just started to change environmentally wise. So I was just like, you know, I'm just going to yeah. do this for now. And it's just been such a blessing to be able to still do what I love and be able to see uh, women online. All right. Well, already, again, like I said, your Instagram account has given me quite a few ideas for exercises that I was yeah, like, ooh, that's so cool. <laughs> yes, please, please do more. So I hope everybody's enjoyed that episode. If you want to find out more about LaShonda, how to get in contact with her, check out the information in the show notes. Don't forget to follow her on Instagram. Like I said, she has such good ideas and exercises. And I hope everybody stays safe.